it's episode 22. I'm not going to lie, guys. I just have this word phrase catch line meathead hippie stuck in my head and I'm tempted to change my podcast to that name. So I'm going to take a poll. And if (laughs) you feel like meathead hippie, which I mean, that's just who I am, right? Let's talk about herbs and spirituality and growing and loving ourselves. And then let's get jacked as buh. That's basically my life. So I have this instinct that I need to possibly rechange my podcast. It's only episode, what, 22, right? It's not too late. What do you guys think? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Today is one of those non-fitness nutrition topics. And seriously, I can't even... I'm so excited about it because Victoria Erickson is my guest. She is an author and a poet, and she's based out of Austin, Texas, but I've followed her for probably six years, maybe more. We talk about kind of how I found her, but it's just been so fun because I feel like we go through the same same things in life. Have you ever followed people where you're like, oh my God, you're thinking what I'm thinking all the time. Like you just posted how I felt. That's how she is with me. (laughs) So um, I'm so glad that she's on because I think, you know, we address how to get healthy, we address how to get strong, and hopefully more guests in the future will help you be even more knowledgeable in that category or in those categories. But what I think can easily be overlooked are the people or who can be easily overlooked are the people who are more sensitive or maybe, um, have a hard time handling the balance of, you know, putting themselves out there, being vulnerable, staying true to themselves. I mean, that's just basically what we talked about. We just had a really good heart to heart and I just can't wait to share this with you and hear your thoughts. And I hope you love it. I just, I can't wait. So this is episode 22 let me know what you think about of renaming my podcast to Meathead Hippie. I think it's going to happen, but just seriously, would love to know your thoughts and what is happening. Um, before I stop my intro, I wanted to uh, let you guys know I'm going to be in Kauai coming up. So that's going to be on Saturday, this Saturday, uh, the Ultimate Hawaiian Trail Run Race, and that's in. Poipu. So CrossFit Poipu, I linked in with them about four years ago. They're incredible. And what they do is they use this fundraising race as a way to help, um, their, the youth in, in Kauai. And I can't wait to be back and be a part of that again. It's been a full year since I've been there and I'm excited to see my people. And, uh, what else? I think that I have basically a packed October, but we'll deal with that next week when I, get a little closer to it because I don't want to think about it. And this is going to be a wonderful podcast. I can't wait for you guys to hear. Enjoy. (laughs) MFIT Radio. It is so wonderful to, I know we were laughing about this because we know each other, but we don't really know each other. Um, Victoria Erickson, thank you so much for coming onto my podcast. This is definitely going to be such a be more podcast, which I kind of theme, but there's really no rhyme or reason. But for you, you just, the way you are, I think I found you on Facebook probably six years ago. Wow. Like forever ago. I don't even know how I found you, but I did. And the things you write and the way you write and how vulnerable you are. Um, I just, I love it. So you're one of my favorite authors. You're one of my favorite poets. And I just am honored to have you on MFIT Radio today. Thank 
you so much. I love being here. Thank you. I do feel like I've known you forever. I know it's, it's fun because my aunts love your work. My grandma loves your work. My Aww. mom loves your work. So we talk about you like you are just one of the family. Amazing. I love hearing that. Thank you. Yeah. And I wanted, you know, for me, it's like, I've always felt like I've had somewhat of a unique story of having to be really vulnerable in the public eye as far as I started off my career, basically, not even career, but at 20, I was on reality TV. So I had to kind of just let it all out there and going through that process of letting people know who I am um, in hopes that it helped them find themselves is something that's really unique because you also, you just have to be really grounded in yourself in order to do that. And there's times where I'm really good at it and times that I'm really terrible at it. So I just wanted to kind of open up about vulnerability and, you know, even just getting into like how you started writing and why that, um, you know, I think you said you, I was reading a bunch on you, just background stuff. You write for Rebel Society. You have two. Tell me a little bit about your story with starting writing. Thank you. Well, I have been actually writing all my life. It was just something I, I had to do. It was the only way I could figure out the world around me and also myself from the time I was probably five or six. Um, and it's all I knew. I, I just knew that I had to go home and journal. I didn't know that not everyone did it. <laughs> I just had to write to express myself. I did it as my way of um, tapping into that creative source that I think is so important for kids. And I just continued on all through my high school years. And then I actually quit writing in my 20s so I could live more. And I was mad at actually writing itself because I thought, why have I wasted so much time in my life writing? Like I'd hurt my arm. I'd given myself tendonitis because I wrote with a pen physically for so long. You really hurt. You. Like it was like a, oh my gosh, yeah. wow. And I thought, like, there's no time, and I'm so addicted to it, so I have to just quit it cold turkey. So I did for six or seven years, and um, I just was living in San Francisco. And then it was interesting because it came back around full force. My sister was working for a producer down in Los Angeles, and he was um, launching a side project, some children's books. They're not around anymore, but there are 17 of them. They may be. It was called Cherry Tree Children's Books. And um, they were on an app, and I had to rhyme them all. So she's like, oh, Vicki, you have to do this. You'd be perfect. I said, absolutely not. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and she said, you have to do it. I don't know anyone else that can do it. <laughs> you have to start writing again. So I did. And then, um, of course, it opened up the vein again. And I started to write like the small little blog like back in 2010 called Girl and Lovely Notebook and I just kept it really short so I wouldn't get addicted, little blurbs. And then um, I started to ghost write for people around me that had small businesses and then I started to do magazines and, and local newspapers to send in articles for them. Before I knew it, I was writing for other people all the time. And then I thought, okay, maybe I can tap into writing for myself again. And so I sent in a few articles to Rebel Society. And two of them went viral. So people started to follow me on Facebook. Um, and I just wrote my status updates. And then 
the co-founder of Rebel Society said, you need an author page. You're not doing anything with all these people, right, that are following you. And I, I was like, no, you know, I'm fine. I'm not doing this for a living, right? I'm just, you know, having fun with it. She said, no, open up a page is important. So I did. And then I started putting my words on typewritten memes and they were easily shareable, I guess. So a lot of people started to share those and then I was picked up by a publisher. So it's been pretty wild. I think when it's your purpose, it comes and chases you back in a way. Um, it just becomes the path. <laughs> so yeah. now I've really embraced um, that it's be I've become a full-time poet and I'm making a living off of teaching writing now. And I have these two books. So it's been really interesting. And, and I really believe it's because I had to do it. The passion was so strong. I never had made any kind of plan or anything. So I love that. And I want to get back to, to, to I want to talk about how you're teaching people. But first I wanted to, because I think in anybody, um, this is one of the thing, one of my favorite things that you have written that I read quite a bit. And it's, I don't know which, part, which book this is in, but it's, um, there's a turning point. It arrives when we find ourselves quietly hovering inside yeah. the realization that the choice is in between two pains, the pain of the jump or the pain of regret. Mm -hmm. And I just, oh my God, it speaks to me so much. And I wonder like with you, with writing, did you, why, I, I think for, I'm the same way. I'm all or nothing. So maybe yes. it was just, yes. you know, I think so many times people, whether it's writing or their career or their hobby, it's like we don't even allow us to open it up because yes. like what is it that scares us so much about that? Because it's ultimately what makes us happy, right? <laughs> yeah, I, it is all or nothing. I, I knew it was going to become all-consuming, which it did. I didn't realize, though, that I could eventually make a living off of it. I didn't want to go through that initial struggle because it was at first. Yeah. I was perfectly happy and content over in San Francisco, you know, with a skincare business. Um, and, but I, I wasn't, you know, I was content, but I wasn't in my, you know, inside of this purposeful, you know, passionate thing that I, that I, you know, that lives inside of me already. It wasn't manifesting into my outer world. So, yeah. um, did you feel now, like in, that uh -huh. period, in that period of your life? I always wondered this because I love that you it came full circle and the universe was like, you have to write. Like you were yes. meant to do this, right? Did you yes. ever feel within that time that you took off? Um, was it almost like a way to make the writing you do so intense now? Or do you think there was part of you that was like kind of dying inside, like just waiting and waiting? Part of me was dying inside, and and actually, people around me sometimes would be like, "What's wrong?" You know, and I and I said, yeah, "Something's missing," but I don't know what it is. Now, writing had always been a part of me, but like I had decided to quit, and I didn't realize at the time it was because I was not writing. Yeah, um, I just fell off. I didn't feel like I was being creative enough, but I was living in this beautiful creative city, and um, I just, I don't know. I guess. I had never thought of my own writing as powerful. I just thought of it as something that was a release for me, but a big, you know, time consumer, <laughs> you know, and, and I hardly ever had shared it. I shared it with my family and they, they all loved it, but you know, I hadn't really put it out into the world. So I didn't know, you know, I just know that I always did really well in English in school and, 
you know, that I, I just felt this intense drive to write, but I didn't realize that it was so important. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that till, um, till much later, actually. Yeah. It was a big realization. For sure. But yeah, it was all in or, or nothing with writing, and I, and I always knew that. So yeah, definitely a part of me was missing, but I felt like that it, it was wasting my time because it was so much of it. I couldn't just do a small amount. I couldn't write a paragraph a day, right? Sure. So I um, sort um, I'm in no way a good poet, but I do, I have always been into poetry. Um, uh -huh. And I feel like, and so I wanted to kind of talk about the yuck that people go through, like when they feel off or when they feel um, stuck, whether it's career or life or relationship. Uh, for me, even at a young age, I recognized that the most, the only way I could write was in times of pain. Um, and so I felt, I almost hated it because when I was writing, it meant that I was feeling things I didn't want to feel. So I, I think I even had like a, I should show this to you sometime, but I grew up in yeah. such a way that was, it was just really emotionally intense for a kid to go through. So I, wow. my mom, that's how she realized how powerful the situation we were in was, was the poetry I was writing. Cause it was so, wow. uh -huh. sometimes people just are afraid of touching the darkness. Um, and I would love if you could talk about that of like how, you know, even just for me, like we tend to shy away from that, those things, but they're actually the things that we need. Yes. Um, darkness lives in us all. It's the shadow side and it's the shadow work and it is beautiful all in itself. It really, I mean, we can't truly know the lighter side of things without the darkness, um, without going through some sort of adversity and loss. How can we truly appreciate things to the extent that we do? I, I believe it opens us up more to experience all the feelings. Um, I think a lot of times people are maybe halfway into what they can actually feel, but there's so much natural, like ecstatic bliss in this world. And oftentimes the darkness or the breakage is what creates that space for the, um, the beauty to really come in. Yeah. So I think that's important. And it's also important to go through old wounds and to really explore your past and figure out why you're the way you are, because that will open up future channels. Um, another way to say it is just basically like when you learn about yourself, you can like help other people learn about themselves. Mm -hmm. And really the way to go through it is adversity. So it's important to go into that darkness and figure it out and understand why you do the things you do and why your patterns have emerged the way they have. And, yeah. and, and I, I believe it's important to write from the dark place, but there's so many other places to write from too. Basically it's just being in your body and, and allowing yourself to feel is so important. I don't um, think people like that, <laughs> you know, it's crazy how it's just so much easier not to feel. Is that a huge piece of when you teach your workshops of how to write? Is it basically allowing people to feel and go? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think the problem um, with writing are so many people are in their heads and they're overthinking, so they get stuck. So I tell them that really, you know, whenever we're really feeling something or really upset at someone or angry, I would never suggest being reactive to another person, but that's the place you want to come from in writing is reactivity. Like let that come out of your body because that is pure raw truth, whatever you're talking about. So when you start from the core 
and like you're not thinking about what you're saying. I mean, this is why creativity is beautiful because it's a place where you can be free with that. We can't really do that in everyday life. We can't be reactive and say everything we want to say to people. So there's so much freedom in um, just letting that come out and creating with that reactivity or, or that intense feeling, letting it come up from the body, from the core. And I find that when it's pure truth like that, there are no excess words. I mean, it always comes out beautiful because it, it really does. And, and it's powerful. And I find that in the workshops with every single person, they have poetry in them. They just need an access point, basically. And that's the permission to be able to go in there and to allow that to come up by getting them to that feeling through the prompts. And oftentimes, um, you know, I can give them a prompt for anything and whatever needs to come out will come out, right? I can, it can be as random as a lampshade and I give them six minutes to, to write without thinking and whatever they, they need to write about um, that they didn't even realize they needed to will, will come out and it'll come out beautifully. I've seen it over and over and over. So it's really about putting people on their edge so they can't think and they have to feel. And it's inside of everyone for sure. It's just pure truth from your body. I love that because sensitivity, or not sensitivity, but like the ability to allow yourself to be sensitive, I think yes. it's like demonized in our culture. <laughs> so, and, yeah. I, and I think that's why I was so drawn to your work is, that, is a lot about being sensitive and allowing yourself to be sensitive because I think for me, my mom calls me, I talk about my mom a lot, but uh, yeah. you would love her. One day you're going to meet her. Um, she calls me a turtle because I have like a hard shell. <laughs> I'm really such a softie. It's because I feel like um, with whatever reason, we are just taught that it's better to just, you know, show this certain side of you. And so I think for me, um, teaching people like, you know, yes, I'm tough, but I'm also so sensitive and I will remember everything um, and feel everything. And that's so hard. It's so hard to like have to live your life when you feel other people's pain and you have this kind of like, you know, sense of burden sometimes with people. And I know not everyone's sensitive, but I think with, with you is, is that when you write the most is when you're feeling the most? Is it something that we, you just always feel? I just would, I, I think maybe I would love to know your writing process. Yeah. So my writing process, um, I really, so I, I have made creativity, like I see it as um, a relationship, like an entity. So if I look at it like, okay, whenever I'm inspired by something, even the smallest thing, I have to write that right then. It's sort of like when you wake up from a dream and you have to write whatever you dreamt about right then, mm -hmm. or else you lose it a few minutes later, or it loses its power. So I always say, like, when I respect creativity, when I feel that inspiration um, and just I respect it by writing it out, then it will continue to come back to me strongly. Like, mm -hmm. that has been my, I mean, when you respect creativity, it respects you. So you have this working relationship and it takes time to cultivate it. But once you do, you're constantly flowing. Yeah. And, um, you know, it ebbs and flows. I, I think it goes in sort of like cycles, you know, you'll you'll have a time where you need to process things a little bit more, but then you'll start flowing for a few weeks and then it'll slow down again and you'll be processing. So I see it um, in cycles and whenever it gets really, really stuck, I have to look at the rest of my life and ask myself, 
is there any kind of toxic energy that's happening that's draining this creative force? Because that's the first thing to go when something's exhausting us. Yeah. So um, what, what would that look like for some people? Because for me, I always think like, you know, I go straight to the nutritionist brain of like food uh -huh. reading and like, right. you know, our surround, our yeah. surroundings and that holistic kind of approach. But, um, what are you, is there any specific examples that people mm -hmm. might relate to for you? Yeah, it's the same approach. Um, movement is extremely important because especially with this type of writing, you're writing from, from the body. So you have to get moving in any form of exercise to keep creativity flowing because I see it like a river. You know, if you're not moving things through, it gets stuck. So um, they really run parallel to each other. So if I haven't been exercising enough, like that's definitely one factor or anyone else. Um, Another thing is food, you know, I mean, if you're eating fresh foods, I also think those are alive and, you know, flowing and letting that energy force happen naturally. Um, another thing is like any toxic relationship or job that's, um, you know, it causes that toxic static feeling where you feel kind of frozen and you don't know what to do next. Um, that definitely affects creativity. Yeah. Anything that gives you like this heaviness, this heavy feeling where you're just stuck. Um, yeah. So it, it, it has everything to do with surroundings and how you're taking care of yourself, which is why when, when you're, you know, an artist or even if you just want to write sometimes, like you can really like look at your work and you can figure out your life from there because it will tell you what's going on. Um, what you need to, you know, cut out, what you need to work on. It's all there. And it's like so easy to see once you're actually working with it. Yeah. With you, you're a huge advocate of being wild. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, does that help inspire you when you feel stuck or is it just kind of this integral place or like this piece of you that has to happen? I think for me, I get really that, that heaviness, it feels like claustrophobia. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so the only, my only outlet when I'm really not sure of what to do is like to get my car and drive to the mountains. And I know yes. that you can relate to that a lot. Um, Absolutely. How do, how do you teach or how do you define being wild? So wildness is basically coming back to our primal selves. So again, that's creativity. Um, absolutely being outside, being out of a, a closed in room or office. Right. Um, I, I think like even cooking with your hands, like doing things with your hands, gardening, um, what else? Swimming, anything where you're in touch with the earth. Yeah. Again, coming back into the body. I, I see getting out of the head. So, um, you know, the way I teach writing is from that wild place where it's, I mean, people need to allow themselves to go there because it's truly beautiful and it will bring to them what they ultimately want. But I think oftentimes we, we are stuck in our heads because we think it, you know, it has this element of control when it really does the opposite. Um, when we try to control something, we lose it. So when we get back into the body, into this primal place, however that looks like, using our hands, just doing things outside, getting like a form of meditation, right? Getting out of our heads. That's when things open up for us and we ultimately get what we want. I mean, maybe not specifically what we want, but it brings in, you know, what we ultimately were trying for when we were trying to control everything. So 
it's really about letting go and letting in, you know, everything else and just being in your body. And it's so good because I'm a control freak. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you, do you feel like you work with a lot? Of, I guess that's really what it is, right? To help people. I don't know if you've experienced this in your own journey as an, as an author, but like, is that probably a big piece is trying to get people to be less controlling maybe? Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. It's hard for people to let go a little bit. Um, they're so stuck in the routine, right? And uh, they feel like if they micromanage and control everything, then everything's going to work for them. But sometimes that's not the case. I think it's kind of like being on a treadmill, you know, this perfectionism, like you're on a treadmill, not going anywhere. Um, just kind of running to stand still. And, and then the treadmill like keeps speeding up faster and faster and faster. And they realize like, if you just get off the treadmill, right. And, you know, open the, the door, um, and go walking, you know, it'll, it'll take you somewhere. So that's my metaphor for that. It's just perfectionism. There's, you know, nothing will ever be perfect. And it always brings me back to this quote, like by John Steinbeck, like now you don't, now that you know, you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. And, and it's what I teach people with writing too. You're, you're constantly evolving. So you're never going to be completely satisfied with your work. It's never going to be perfect, but when it's good, put it out there, right? And see where it lands. Because if you keep overanalyzing, you're going to lose the original um, piece. So yeah, perfectionism is a big theme and I would say that's definitely um, one of the themes of, of everyone, you know, the main themes of everyone that comes to me, like they want all of their work to be perfect. They want the book that they've been working on for 10 years to be, you know, exactly how they envision it. But when we grow and change so much, everything's, everything else is going to change. So you have to put it out then. You really do. That's a really good point. Like, it's like, it's like the whole concept of you're never ready, right? You just you're never ready, right? Yeah, yeah it, there's always just now, right? So, I mean, um, if we wait too long, and I write about this all the time, if we wait too long, we lose it. it it's gone. It's like, you know, falling off the bow of the ship already, right? Do you ever get nervous when you post your things? I always am curious, like for you, like I see it, you're just such an incredible writer and you're so confident in the way you present everything. And I just am curious if you still sense some sort of vulnerability when you put your work out there. Thank you. Like I've gotten to the point where I trust that when I am feeling a little fiery or, or really open that when it, when I post, it'll be okay. But what happens to me is a few hours later, I'll question myself and say, why did I write that? You know, like that was way too open. Oh God, <laughs> like I'll text a few friends about it. I'll say like, what was your initial impression? You know, they'll be really honest with me. Um, and sometimes like very rarely will I delete something later. Um, but sometimes I will because I, I think we kind of open and close. And sometimes I, I feel like I've been way too open. But the, the tricky thing about that is that's what people resonate most with. So I have to be that way in a sense. Yeah. And that's why, and um, I'm impressed by what you said earlier, when you are that vulnerable, you also have to be in a very grounded place, right? You have to do it in a grounded way. Um, you can be extremely vulnerable and sensitive and open, 
in a way that doesn't make you look like nuts, right? <laughs> that's important. I mean, that's very important. Like deriving a, you know, a lesson out of it, leaving people with a little bit of inspiration so they're not left like hanging in the dark. I mean, that's all very important. Um, just bringing some light in at the end and, uh, you know, leaving people better than where you, where you found them. I really believe in that. And, and that's where I, that's almost like a gentle boundary that you put into it as well. Um, I think like, like Brene Brown says, um, we can be very vulnerable if we have the correct boundaries in place. And it's like, when people know I'm not like losing my mind, it's fine. I can be super vulnerable with the words. Um, and they know that I'm grounded by now. So that allows me to open more, right? Yeah. Have you struggled with boundaries? Um, I think for somebody that's sensitive, I struggle with this where I'm like, yes. you know, you want to help everybody. You want to teach them. Yes. You want to. Hugely. Yes. Uh, what has been your journey with like really finding out where to put those boundaries? And is it, you know, it could still be a work in progress because I know it is for me, but um, I would love mm -hmm. to talk about that. I, I do think I, I was naive um, <laughs> in the beginning of um, basically running my own business. I, I really look for and believe in the good in people, um, all the time. And I didn't realize, you know, there are a lot of like extreme opportunists in the world. And I think oftentimes they think that I can actually do more for them than I can. And I would love to help everyone out, but it's like, you know, if you have a following, you can't, um, just hand over your following to other people like they think that they can come in and just Like jump on the train I guess in a way if that makes sense um, And I've seen that happen over and over and over so it's really surprised me and I love people and I want to help them But I, I think they have this idea in their head that I can do more from for them than I actually can So I have like lost some friendships and things that I guess were never really true friendships to begin with so now I'm really careful, and, and that's where the boundaries come in, where I, I have to really ask myself, um, what, what is their, I mean, what do they want? Are they being authentic, right? Are, are they really um, wanting to, you know, I don't know. Do they want to like, is, is it about business? Is it about friendship? It's, it's tricky. All the lines get crossed. And I don't even think that they would know, you know, sometimes I yeah, that's, that's, like, when you talk yeah. to them, they, it's so blurred for them that it's, you just, yeah. I have some, so I definitely relate to this. I don't, I have some trust yeah. issues probably because of it, <laughs> but that's, yeah. I'd rather have that trust and boundary issue or the boundaries there and the trust a little wary. Cause I've had so yes. many times where I would never think twice of letting someone yeah. in a circle. And I was like, wait, that, yes. what you just said right there was not what I expect, you know, just, it didn't make, it didn't yes. add up and you find it out the hard way at the cost of a lot of love towards this person, but yes. realizing that they're not truly authentic and that. Very painful. Yeah, it is. And you hear about these things like, but until you go through them, you don't realize how painful it is. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the boundaries in place are, are, are important in the beginning. I had to learn the hard way too. So boundaries have become a main theme in my life that I've had to work on. Absolutely. Um, it just keeps you in a safe space, you know, emotionally, especially when you're sensitive. Cause I, I, I'm very heart led and, and I don't, 
really ever have an agenda with other people. So I was surprised because I had never been in the corporate world ever. Um, I was amazed by the agendas that people can have. And crazy because we don't even think that way to so no. to get our mind to wrap around how that's possible. Do you know your Enneagram number? I don't, I don't actually know that because you said heart led and there's like yeah. three numbers. It's like a scale of one to nine. Um, this is really cool kind of personality test, I guess. It's kind of uh -huh. like the Myers, Myers Briggs. Yeah. Myers Briggs. Yeah. But it's a little bit more in depth and it's so the heart types are either a two, three or a four. So I'm curious. Oh, wow. Which you are? I am a seven, so I'm actually a head type because I'm okay. always in my head. <laughs> what is your What is your Myers Briggs? So I am a for sure an extrovert, right? Uh -huh. the, what's the second letter? Oh, and, um, intu wait, intuitive. I know it's like intuitive, feeling, perception, judgment. I forget. How. I think I'm feeling. Um, okay. Yep. Yeah. And you're ENFP, maybe. I bet you're an ENFP. I don't know. I should check. I'll confirm. What are, what are you? An INFP, which is intuitive feeling, um, introvert, intuitive feeling perception. Yeah. So you are an introvert. I was curious. Yeah. I'm an extroverted introvert. I love people. I really do. I love people and I'm, I'm around people, but I definitely derive my, my strength from being alone. Um, you know, so I'll spend more time alone than I will with people, but I love being with them when I'm with them. It's not that I, you know, so I'm definitely more on the extra extroverted side of introversion, I, I would think. Yeah. But I need a lot of time to write. Um, yeah. So I have to by myself. Yeah. With mm -hmm. you, do you write, um, I'm curious about this because I hate Kindles. Like I hate reading books. Yeah. Like, you know, iBooks or Kindles, but uh -huh. I also can't, I don't do well writing handwritten do you have a do you as a poet um feel like there's a difference between writing maybe on your computer or writing like out on a piece of paper um what are your thoughts on that how do you handle it i absolutely think people should start with their arm in their hand because it really feels like it's coming out through your body because again it goes back to writing from the body really getting in there and and actually feeling it come out that way i think there's a small barrier with the computer um but again, it, 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 it's not so great for your wrist if you're doing it all the time. So, I mean, if you can type it, that works as well. If you can type quickly, it's, I really believe in writing fast so you don't stop and think. Yeah. So if you can type quickly, do that, um, whatever is the quickest. I like that. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes I pull over my car and I, I think you, I actually think you said this and I was like, I do that too. I'll just pull over my car and get my yeah. notes out and just type. And I'm like, I don't know what that said. I'm not going to read it for a month. I just yeah. need to put it away. And then I'll be scrolling through my notes and I'm like, oh my God, that is so intense, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> writing were rain you you want it pouring you don't want you know mm. tiny like trickles of uh, unsure <laughs> you for know, sure. yeah for sure words um you want it pouring out in intensely yeah and, and and that's what helps people right like yes very I, healing very healing for i i really believe it's an energy exchange um it's, it's our greatest energy exchange, this language that we can use as a tool to put our feeling into the other person and having that connection and resonation happen uh, just through written language.
Yes. Do you have people that you or authors that you are inspired by or follow um, that just kind of, you know, like for you to me, do you have anybody that you love reading um, or past or present? I love Cheryl Strayed who did Wild. Um, I really relate to her in many ways. I love Brene Brown. She does a lot of work around shame and vulnerability and those are fascinating subjects to me. Didn't Cheryl Strayed do um, Dear Sugar? Yes, yeah, she did. She it. did. Yep. I really love that book. He's a brilliant writer. Um, I really enjoy Anne Lamott. She um, also is a writing teacher, and I really agree with many of the things she says. She's a beautiful writer. She has a really interesting take on things. And then I love, um, you know, the old poets that are no longer around, like Pablo Neruda and, you know, Inane Nin and even Scott Fitzgerald, I, I really appreciate the rhythm in their words um, and just the way they would layer sentences and um, how deep they would get into like love themes. I, I, I love love, so I am <laughs> very um, driven to read that sort of poetry. I'm fascinated by human relationships and connections. So anyone that writes about that, I, I, I'm interested to know. <laughs> What they're saying. Yeah. I love all the different perceptions on it that you can find. Yeah. There's nothing better than falling in love. Yes. <laughs> what is I told my mom this. Um, so my mom and her aunts, or my aunts, the ones that, um, Aunt Sandy, who is always on Sandy K, the one on your Facebook page. Oh, that's your, that's your yeah. <laughs> um, so that's my Aunt Sandy, and she's also a poet, and so they, they look like, um, have you ever seen Practical Magic? Yes. My aunts remind me of those, like, oh, that's adorable. Like, a little bit witchy, but amazing, and like, full of good energy, and I love witchy women. Oh, I love it. <laughs> part on that movie where at the very end um she's, she just says I think it's Nicole Kidman she says fall in love as often as possible yes. um, I just love that so much because I think we you know especially as a vulnerable uh, the vulnerable side the sensitive side like that sounds so wonderful but then you tie in your control side and then it just like you just think of falling in love as like just sometimes a negative thing or a uh, maybe an overused thing. I don't know what it is, but I just really, I enjoyed that so much because I think it's so true. It's like we live so short in, in relation to everything. It's like we have such a short time on this earth. We should fall in love with everything. <laughs> everything, yes. Not just people, with everything, mm -hmm. with plants, with dogs, you know, with the sky. Um, mm -hmm. It's like that Jack Hruitt quote. I, I forget exactly how it goes, but he said, it's not that I can't fall in love. It's just that I fall love with everything and I can't distinguish what's platonic and what's not because it's all too much you yeah. know and not enough at the same time and yeah when you when you can be open to everything you know as soon as you put your lens on it you can fall in love with it because everything does have beauty and again that goes back to that place of feeling like feel to the full extent like mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be just pain when you feel so deep like you can feel beauty so deeply just looking at the mountains I, I I really think we can like derive so much energy from that um, and bring it into the rest of our lives where we're lacking energy. Yeah. And I think that maybe the lesson for me to learn is that writing doesn't have to come from a place of pain and darkness. And that's, well, you do such a good job with that. 
Thank you. No, it can come from anything. As long as you're feeling to the full extent, <laughs> yeah, it can be just as intense with anything else that you look at. I really think you can get inspiration from anything, anything at all. There, there are so many amazing things in this world. Um, despite the pain, you know, the world goes through, there are so many amazing things and, and you don't have to just write from pain. Like it's an absolute blast when you can really figure out that everything is create creative. Um, do you ever, so my, um, my good friend, Jalen, Jalen Wolf, my, uh -huh, yeah. my drag, dragon soulmate. So yeah. she, uh, she wanted me to ask you this. Um, I, I can tell, and I know a lot of people relate to this where there's like life gets in the way. You're almost, you feel so much, but you are busy. Um, you're like almost every time you kind of have time to feel things and maybe move through things you just it's like so overwhelming that it's better just to like kind of like that six-year hiatus with writing it's better to just like close it off um so when somebody is busy and they have something that they need to move through and they know it's going to be painful and it's just going to be tough and yucky do you have any word of advice for that where you is it just do it nothing to it until you just do it Right. I'm, it's just like that old saying, the only way around is through. And, um, you know, you just have to, you just have to walk right, right into the fire, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, and I think if we avoid things, what happens is it, it comes up again. It will come up again in another way, shape or form. I mean, sometimes we think we, we can avoid or, uh, run away from things, but we can't run away from ourselves. And really that's where everything stems from. So, um, I really believe in, and I, and I'm guilty of not always doing this. Sometimes I'm a little avoidant, right? Cause like you're saying you're sensitive, but I'm trying to get better at just facing things head on mm -hmm. and moving through them. And then they're not so terrible. I'm such an avoider. Is that a sensitive trait? Is that what we do? Because you just oh. don't want to deal with it. <laughs> I'm so bad. I, I'm a runawayer for sure. I am, too. I am too. And this is something I've been working very hard uh, for a long time. Yeah. It's, it's because you don't want to feel it. You don't want to deal with it. Yeah. It's you, you procrastinate on it. Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty chronic, chronic procrastinator. Me too. Sure. Me too. 100%. And I always would try to say, like, you know, try to make myself feel better about it. And I would be like, well, it's because the, my best work would happen right before, like with pressure. And I just don't think that's true. I think it's just I don't, I don't like dealing with things, so I avoid them until I no longer can. <laughs> I'm the same. <laughs> I'm the same. Yeah. So until your back's against the wall and you have no other choice. Yeah. Yeah. And you just go through a lot of stress beforehand. I mean, so much more stress than than actually just facing it, right? Again, it goes back to that quote, right? The pain of the jump. Or the, it's painful either way. Life is inherently painful. I'm not saying that in a dark, heavy, depressing way. It just is. So we're being human. Yeah. Um, it just is. So it, it's, it's like, you know, working out. It's like exercising. Like sometimes you just don't want to do it. You're going to feel worse if you don't, right? Yeah. Um, so true. For you, you're really into, you know, I just wanted to tap into this a little bit um, with your holistic kind of approach to, mm -hmm. you're so aware of medicine and, or not medicine, plants and, yeah. and life. And do you have any, um, you know, for me, like when I really need to feel grounded, I'm always burning Palo Santo and say, yeah. 
I have all these different blends, um, mm -hmm. especially with me being gone in August. Like you should have seen my hotel room. I lived in a hotel for a month. So it was like, <laughs> whatever I can do to make this feel like home, you know? And yeah. um, do you have any go-tos like as far as actual practices, like sprays, herbal remedies, teas, um, things that you just love. They're like your go-to centering, grounding pieces. I, I love Palo Santo. I, I love it more than anything. Um, I always am burning sage as well. Incense I love, any kind of incense really, sandalwood mostly. Um, I'm very drawn to anything grounded that makes me um, feel like I'm in the mountains or the desert and I believe it's because I'm a creative type. So as much as I love the ocean, what the ocean does, it, it like the ocean is really good for all already grounded people that need to tap into their creativity and tap into being more open. Yeah. Um, for me, it, it gets me too much in the dream state, right? The, the ground, like the mountains and the desert and like those things I burn, you know, um, they make me feel more balanced internally. So it, it's really all about what you're naturally already like and going to the place that will make you more grounded. So yeah, I highly recommend water for people that, that want to be more open and then the already super open types, like being in, like near the earth. Ah, oh, that makes sense. So yeah. I, I'm like in the crux of my life where I'm like, yeah. you know, I even have a tattoo on my foot where it's a mountains in a heartbeat, right? So it's oh, like, beautiful. I've always felt so drawn to mountains, but recently I've gone through this phase where I'm like, I have to see the ocean and I don't know what it is. And I'm wondering maybe if it's because I'm this this phase of my life of figuring yes. out a little bit more of, I don't know what that means. Maybe yes. that's what it means. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, it, it, I really believe it. We're naturally drawn, you know, during different times of our lives to, to things. Um, it, it's all metaphorical, really. Like the ocean is like dreams and creativity and love and longing and all those things. So they like bring that out um, when you're near the water, especially the ocean, because there's so much movement in the ocean. It naturally brings that out. So if, if you were lacking those things, it starts to make you feel more balanced and whole. And then, you know, I, I need to often go to the rocks and the ground because it makes me feel safe, you know, and steady and not constantly like daydreaming and, you know, up in wherever I am, the sky somewhere, right? Yeah. So, like, it helps me to get my, you know, everything done <laughs> my day to day if I go and, and get grounded in these places. So, like, burning sage, um, it's it's a grounded thing, and it makes me feel like I'm, you know, actually in the desert or in Peru. Yeah, just the scent will do that. So, I mean, basically those things, yeah. Whatever makes me feel like I'm in that place, I really believe in land. And you just went to Machu Picchu not that long ago. Yes, yep, in October, I put on a retreat. Was it amazing? Yeah. Oh God, it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> the vibration in that land, it, it's very real. <laughs> it's very real, yeah. Um, Peru is a magical place. It's very lush. It's like the sanctuary in the middle of, south america and and people there are very much into the earth you know and, um the earth is medicine and they treat the animals beautifully and they're just so peaceful and calm and serene so i really it's a very healing place to go to i highly recommend it sure, that's on the yeah. list of yeah. places my top uh, <laughs> 
so beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I would love to just teach creating workshop, creative writing workshops in all sorts of, you know, places with beautiful land. I, I really think that's part of it. Land. Have you been to Kauai yet? I have, yes. The Nepali coast makes me feel yes. vibration as well. Yes. I love the Nepali coast, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It really is. Super magical. Super magical. Sedona has the same feel. Cool. I haven't been there. I'll try that. <laughs> yes. Oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. Lost Coast, where I just was. Um, same feel. Lost Coast up in Northern California. Oh. oh, yeah, those pictures were insane. Everyone needs to look at her face, her recent Facebook page pictures. They were like the most, they were gorgeous. They were oh, thank you so much. And everything. I love, they, I think I saved one because I was like, I need to look at this when I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I love, I love photography too. It really, it's the same thing. It, it makes me feel so alive. Like I'm actually, you know, having a conversation with the, the land. I'm, I'm just so drawn to land in yeah. general nature do yeah you, the, the connection with the moon um i know we just had a full moon do you really feel that as someone that's very aware uh like you know emotionally and with energetic energetics do you feel the moon full moon or new moon do you have that i always am curious some certain people like i feel like cats like they just feel it more they do yeah and and i don't know the workings of astrology so much and and you know how all that works i just know that i feel a very strong pull to the moon and i'm sure it changes according to the phases i'm sure my relationship with the moon is like it's always the sure thing right when um maybe nothing else is sure in life and certain but the moon is always there and it's always beautiful and it goes through its phases but it's always there and i just there's there's a lot of safety in it but also awe at the same time so i've always said like that's like my ultimate relationship where you have like this magic and mystery but it, it's also this feeling of, of safety and you know home um is what i've always felt about the moon and it's just always subtly there you know it doesn't like burn you like the sun you know it's just um it's a very strong relationship with it and i've had it all my life so that's why i write about it so much I, I kind of compare all things to my relationship with the moon. <laughs> but as far as when it's new and it's waxing and all that, I don't really pay so much attention um, to those things, except that it's just like it's going through the phases, but it's, it's there even when we can't see it. Right? Um, yeah, it's always, it's a constant and it's... Yeah, it's kind of one of those constants we take for granted, I think. But. It's a constant, and it's mesmerizing. And I just thought, like, I, I'm constantly in love with the moon. So, you know, that's yeah. possible, too. <laughs> like, we're <laughs> that's awesome. constantly feel that, you know, for a long time. What you, uh, I have a question for you. Um, before uh -huh. Final question. I, what do you tell people that come to you and say, I'm just, I'm not a creative person? Um, because I think everyone is like, yeah. I, I see everyone in the gym and I'm not an athlete. I'm like, no, that's not true. Everyone has some sort of athletic capability yeah. and my job is to bring that out so you can see it. So for you, yeah. I feel like it's probably really similar with. Creative. Absolutely. Yep. Um, everyone, because everyone's filled with stories, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you, everyone, no, even if you like sit in a room and you don't like actually live, you're, you're still filled with stories. Um, they're just in our cellular level. Like we collect memories in our body. It's all there. Yeah. And everyone has a fascinating story to tell. And 
So as far as writing goes, you know, everyone has stories, but creativity can show its reveal itself in all areas of life, whether it's building something or cooking or um, creating a new route for yourself, right? Or creating, I don't know, I, I think like even building cars is being creative, right? Like you're working with your hands, you're like thinking of what you want to do, you're making it happen, like manifesting it into reality. Um, putting action into the idea. I think all that is creation. Like we're inherently creative beings. So there's so many ways to use that. And that's the flow state when we're creating. And, and that's the state when um, we're most ourselves and we're in that meditative place where we're not overthinking again. And, and I think it's just such a beautiful place to be in as a person to be able to access that flow state however it shows reveals itself even you know exercise yeah. you can find it um i love the exercise component because it's like when i started studying the brain a little bit more about oh my gosh your cute little dog oh my gosh i just saw your dog okay. <laughs> yeah. with the dopamine pathways and how they're fired with movement and so it's just so cool when you see that like brainstem firing and how that just directly relates to all of our neurotransmitters. And I just don't think people even understand, like, I don't say just exercise so you can get strong or that you can, you know, lose weight or get to your goals. It's like, it really does make you a different human. Just it's absolute, same with creative. They, they really, and I always compare the two because they're the same thing. I mean, not the same thing, but they do the same things. I'm sure when people start begin to exercise, it opens up so many other things in their life and not just because they look better because they feel better, right? Yep. It's not so much about putting like, you know, a Mozart painting into the world as it is about you're opening the channels to everything else. You feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and so creativity and, and, and the movement, I think are the two most important things mm -hmm. um, for people. Definitely. Yeah. They're the same thing. And, and I really think that everyone has, I mean, everyone has creativity in them. Everyone is capable of it. Just like everyone is capable of exercising. Sure. We all have our different strengths within that, but, um, we were made to create and we were made for movement. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my brain is not happy unless I'm doing one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Same, same here. Same. Yeah. And, and I find that like most people, once they, grow accustomed to doing both those things, they start to feel the same way because your body starts to recognize it as so healthy for you and it craves it. Yeah. It craves creativity, same as it does um, movement. Mm. Once you start doing it and you just feel so lost when you're not. Yes. And then, yeah, we, can, we get in our head and we think something's wrong with us and then we just go work out or we go right and then it's That's like, it. oh, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> Exactly. It's so crucial. It's so crucial. Yeah. And I have so many people and I say, you know, you don't have to be a writer to come to my workshop because I believe everyone is a writer, but not many people see themselves as writers. But um, if we all speak the same language and we're all living and have stories, like you can, you're a writer, right? Um, so I, I really think everyone should create as often as they can. Yes. Talk about your workshops. I know you have Edge of Wonder and Rhythms and Roads mm -hmm. um, on Amazon, and I'll link those in there. But your workshops, where can, where's your next one's going to be? Um, where are they at? Um, so 
I, I did uh, about nine online ones over the summer. And I'll, I'll be getting back into that um, probably in October, but I just announced them on my pages. So, and then they're on my website. Um, I do different running themes. I just did three on fire, where everything is um, based around fire. All the prompts are based around fire. And we really get into that creative fire element. Um, and I did three on water. And then I did a couple on the seed, which is the beginning. Um, really the beginning of cre like getting into the creative force, you know, using the seed to grow that. Huh. And your website, is it victoriaerickson.com? No, victoriaerickson.com. Yep. Facebook and all that. Um, yeah. And then I have one more question for you and it's okay if you don't know, but I feel like you might. What is your spirit animal? Oh, whales. <laughs> you know what? I knew you were going to say that. I have something to send you. I really? Yes, I just knew you were going to say that because... Really? Did you? Well, I'm not kidding you. Listen to this. Uh, this is my favorite. Um, do you think... Do you have a specific whale? Because I think blue whale, but if you think differently... Oh, that could work. I love all whales. I do too. They make me cry. Me too. Um, <laughs> they make me cry. Same. They okay. come to me in dreams. Yes. Oh, man. I can't wait to read this, but just so you know... Uh, you have a big heart. You are generous, compassionate, always willing to lend an ear or a helping hand. You enjoy any type of communication and vocal expression, cons cons conversation, speaking or singing, most likely writing. Wow. Um, you have to strike a balance between alone time, time with a mate, socializing with a group of friends. Oh, you're such a blue whale. <laughs> That's so true. Wow, I had never met that before. I just knew it was whales. <laughs> oh, I totally send it to you. Yeah, I, like it's so fun because I I love whales. I've always there's a movie called Whale Rider. Have you ever watched that? No, I haven't. Oh, Watch it today. It makes you cry and connect, and you're gonna basically be this like this girl. She, I just relate to her so much. It's so silly because it's a movie, but it's um. It's incredible, and you're going to love it. That's amazing. What's your spirit animal? So um, I am a hummingbird and a oh. part, part dragon. So. Oh, I love it. I, I love dragons also. Yeah, most, I'm mostly a hummingbird, but the dragon, it's there when it needs to be. <laughs> oh, yeah, perfect. That's amazing. <laughs> it doesn't need to be, but I like to think I, I maintain it well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Victoria, this is so wonderful. I mean, this is kind of like a selfish podcast because I just really wanted to talk to you, but I am just, this is full of so many good things and I can't wait for my listeners to hear you talk and share about your story. It's just wonderful. Thank you. You're so sweet. I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Um, thank you guys for tuning in and I'll see you guys next Wednesday.